Welcome to From the Rookery End, Season 2 Podcast. Here we are. I'm John. Uh, with me is Mike. Hi there. Uh, hello, Jason. Hello again. If you've not listened to the podcast before, welcome. We are all lifelong fans of Watford Football Club, season ticket holders in the Rookery End at Vicarage Road, and these podcasts are our take on life as a Watford fan. We are here at AFC Wimbledon. Yeah, the pre- pre-match disco, well underway. Yeah, it does sound like it, with a bit of a... Uh, I can't forget who that is. Uh, yeah. but I feel like busting some moose. Yeah. It's poison. Is it colour me bad? It might be colour me bad, yeah. Well, anyway, that doesn't really matter. Oh, well, oh, they also did I Want to Sex You Up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. The classic... Well, will Watford sex us up today? That's the big question. <laughs> it is. So we're here for Watford's third pre-season game. It is a club we now hold dear to our hearts. Absolutely. After they uh, they kept Luton down in the non-league. Thank uh, you very much, Paul. Thank you very much. Thank you very, 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 very much. But we're going to be here um, for, for this podcast. What have we got coming up with the podcast, Jason? Well, you can hear about our compilation album for our new number 10 that Chris Iwellumu, or is that Iwellumu, will let you decide. You'll find out about a darker side to the life of the new Watford manager as well, Mr Sean Dyche. Plus, we'll be launching our new feature, Watford in 100 Objects. And a Watford legend truly becomes a legend this year as he enters his testimonial season. Lloyd Doyle, of course, he's been with us for 10 years now, and we caught up with him in the bowels of Vicarage Road. It's uh, amazing. We had a good chat with Lloyd, so that's coming up later. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. We're two weeks away from the beginning of the season, uh, and pre-season can be a really up and down sort of a time for any football fan from any club in the country. How are you guys? How have you been feeling about it, Mike? It's been. It's felt like a long period of time because so much has happened. It felt like there hasn't really been a week when there hasn't been something happening around the club. Obviously, I think as any football fan gets closer to the season starting, you start to feel more positive. You start to think, actually, can our team do something good? I'm obviously not one of those. I think we're going to have an absolute... No, I'm joking. But as you get closer, you just feel optimistic, don't you? And as we sit here with the sun shining on our backs, um, we're looking out and seeing the boys warming up. There's some new signings and stuff. I'm um, certainly more optimistic than last year. Well, I certainly had a, let's say, an initial half of the pre-season was a bit of a dip, shall we say, because there was there was a lot of outs and not many ins. So we had, we had Danny Graham leave. We did. Um, and I think, to be fair, we all knew that Danny was going to go. He had a great season, 20-plus goals that come along very, very very rarely. It seems even rarer for, for us Watford fans, but uh, it was expected that he was going to go and go to a Premiership club, and that, that's what's happened. Um, and good on him. Good on him. Good, yeah. good luck to him. Maybe we're a bit, little bit annoyed that he's gone to Swansea of all places, uh, but, um, well. you know, we'll, we'll get over it, won't we? Yeah. I think everything works well with that. We got the money that I think that he, we probably agree that he was worth. He's going to have a crack at the Premiership, and I think the good thing from my point of view, I'd have hated to see Danny go and him sit on the bench somewhere. I think hopefully it's Swansea will yeah. get a crack. Um, and I think we'll all wish him well, regardless of the manager he's playing under. Yeah, we'll look out for. We'll look out for if Danny scored uh, each Saturday rather than if Swansea have won. And of course, if he falls fat on his arse and scores the grand total of about two goals, we'll have uh, we'll have done really well. Out of it. Yeah, a bit sweet having him back on loan and having <laughs> yeah. scoring goals again. Well, Will, Will Buckley uh, has gone off for a million quid to Brighton. That was a, a little bit of a surprise. It was a bit of a shock because I think early on in the well through patches of last season, Will Buckley was one of the most exciting players, wasn't he? Mm. We talked about him a lot on the on the podcast last year. But I think when someone comes in for a million pounds for a player who was who was in and out of the squad, a lot of people sort of questioned 
how effective he was for, you know, how, he played well against a certain type of team, didn't he? If, he, if a team sat back, he would, he would really boss games like that. But if he had to work hard to get into the game, he, was, he wasn't quite so ineffective, if so effective. And he was left out of the team because of that. So when a bid came in for a million quid, I think you can't say no. To, you can't say no. So Jake, and then finally, uh, and the other player we lost was, uh, was Don Carey, and he went for a free, unfortunately, to, uh, to Cardiff. He did. For, for me, that was the most annoying, I think, of all the player departures in the close season. I've, I've always been a big fan of Don Cowie. Um, I think he's been one of the more experienced heads in the, in the team, and he's a, he's a good player. And we saw that whenever he was out injured, we missed him big time. So to see him go on a free um, doesn't work with our, our player trading model very well, does it? So it is, that makes it sort of doubly annoying that he's, that he's just gone. Well, we've well, been reading the Watford Observer, uh, Jason. <laughs> player, player trading model. Who says that in real life? Jason does. Well, Robo Jason isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, players go all the time, and we'll talk again about all the players who've come in and a bit later on the podcast, and how the new Watford side is going to pan out. But the biggest change, of course, is is the change of manager. And the change of manager can be quite significant. And um, we, we have Sean Dyche has come in. Now we were lucky to interview Sean on podcast uh, 11 last season, and in fact, Mike asked him in the interview a very significant question. I mean, Sean, would you look at management in the long term then? Yeah, I think so. You know, I've had a nice progression here, really, coming in with the under-18s and working under 80. Then Brendan came along, and I was kind of then taking the reserves as well as the youth team. And then, obviously, Malky came in and took the job on a full-time basis, and then he upgraded me to assistant. So I've had a nice little journey through that, really. You know, it's, it's, it's a good position to be in for me at the moment. I like working. The staff are great. The, the players are, you know, there's a real good feeling about them. So I'm not in a rush to do it, but I think that inevitably down the line I would I would look at being a manager some at some point. But I'm not I'm not at the moment thinking of running away from what we're doing here. It is the big it is probably the, the biggest talking point. Jace Dice came in. How are you feeling? I must admit when when it all happened, when the uh, names were first bandied about, it wasn't my number one choice. I, I sort of fancied someone like Tisdale, the Exeter manager. Why? Uh, because he worked at a, a small club with little money um, and then sort of taking them up a division and then challenging in that division so I thought it was a good opportunity to give him a chance to do the same thing at a higher level however Sean was probably in my in my top three and because of the consistency and he knows the players um, and it's, it's what Wolfter about these days it's sort of we've done it before we brought Malky through it in the same yeah, way yeah. we've used untried managers before so why can't we do it again there was a big talk about some bigger names the Dave Jones batting around, some silly room about uh, Roy Keane being at the Grove and all that sort of stuff. Would you have ever wanted proven championship Premier League manager at our club? Well, I think there's two sides to it. I mean, you always want experience to come in, yeah. ideally, I think. Um, but by the same token, if you're going to bring someone in, they have to be out of work. Yeah. Unless we're going to sort of poach someone from somewhere, which I think we all know we're not in the business of paying compensation for. No. So I think a lot of the names being mooted were A, either unrealistic, um, or B, you know, we didn't want them because they'd been sacked from somewhere previously. So... You know, if someone said, right, you're going to have a, a, a really well-experienced um, manager come in, you're not going to say no. no. But I think the beauty of, of Daichi coming in is, is continuity, isn't it? He's been at the club for uh, both playing, he went away for a bit, came back, and he, he handled the youth team, which I think is really significant. But he's, he's, he, managed, he will now have managed every single level of Watford, from youth team up, reserves, um, assistant manager, and now, now manager. But a lot, my, the bit I kind of, the gripe I might have had with a couple of other Watford fans, when they 
saw this. They saw Deitch coming in as a lack of ambition Cheap for the club. Lot of people said, didn't they? It, well, that may be so, but surely with the, the squad we've got and the makeup we've got, having someone who knows the system more than anybody else isn't going to change things too much. Which and have to spend a fortune to get some players in. So surely that's the best thing for the, the yeah. way our what's it, transfer model, the way the Watford footballing model is set up. Well, the Watford, it's about the Watford way, isn't it? I think yeah. the, the, that's why Watford are successful, because they're a, a group, of a, a unit, not just on the pitch, but the off-the-pitch team as well. And to have someone that understands how to get the best out of you know, the environment and how to get the best out of what Watford's good at, which is being a, a tight, hard-working, honest football club, um, and so to have Sean Dyche there, it just seems to fit for me. It's going to be hard for him because he's never managed before, and he's coming up against some big, big teams this year and some big, big players. Um, so it's going to—I'm not under no illusions. It's going to be really hard. But bearing in mind the situation we're in, um, the size of club we are, the resources we've got, I think it's probably the sensible decision. And I, for one, was happy. Well, time will tell, as they say. Time will tell. From the rookery end. Players just gone in. Um, it's going to be a late kickoff uh, here at AUC Wimbledon uh, for what was pre-season game, but they've gone off. Um, and next they come out, they're wearing their brand new kit, yeah. which we saw at the QPR game, which looks. I'm, I'm, I like it. It's better than, better than the year before, definitely. Jace, you're going to get it. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I must be. I did like last season's one. With really? The, oh yeah, yeah. With the, with the you remember when I we had that little? Collar. I didn't like the collar. Yeah, no. I, I like the, the sort of stripe down the down the down the shirt that that resonated well with me, and I like the uh, black shorts as well. I'm more of a black shorts than a red. Shorts, man. But this one still looks, looks nice. I, I will go out and purchase one before the start of the season. Well, um, the other thing is, you know, talk about things that footballers wear. What managers wear is also important, Mike. Will Dyche, do you think he'll be a, a, a tracksuit manager or will he be a suit manager? I think he'll start off trying to be a suit manager. Right. And I reckon that'll last about 30 minutes of the first uh, championship game. And he'll sort of rip off his suit. And there'll be, I don't even think he'll be tracksuit. I think he'll be shorts. Will he have a big <laughs> S under his, under his suit? Like a Quite possibly, but Sean or Superman. He did look, I've got to say, I'm, uh, I do keep an eye on sartorial goings-on, and he looked very smart at his uh, unveiling at that press call. Yes. Stood in front of that Watford badge with the uh, with his suit on. My goodness gracious me, he looks like he means business, doesn't he? Well, the thing about this, the press conference, that press conference in particular, that was a, the first time a lot of Watford fans had probably actually heard him speak, <laughs> and they wouldn't have understood that, you know, if they'd not heard Podcast 11 last year interviewed him, he has quite a gravelly voice. But we've got a clip here from a, a, an episode of Crime Watch, where maybe there's a darker side to our manager. Hello, welcome to Crime Watch. I'm Kirsty Yummy Mummy. You want me, don't you? <laughs> On tonight's show, we've got a horrific story from Hertfordshire Police. It's a story of people being stranded, helpless and thousands of pounds out of pocket due to mindless vandalism. Here's our report. I just popped into Tesco for some milk and a loaf of bread. And when I came out, a chunk of the back of my car was gone. There were shards of metal all over the park. I don't know what went on, but it was clear. There were teeth marks where my exhaust used to be. Attacks like this were common in Watford. They started in 2003 and lasting for almost three years, teeth marks were found on the back of many, many cars in South Hertfordshire. Hundreds of people fell victim to these bizarre attacks, but very little evidence was found. Police Officer McGarry. 
Hello, hello, hello. The force had the best forensic officer on the case. We spent hundreds of thousands of pounds. But all we found were a few human ginger hairs at one scene. It was clearly from a male human. But in June 2005, nothing. The attack stopped. The town of Watford hoped the attacker was gone forever. But he was to return in the summer of 2007. I just popped into the bank to get some cash. I even left the car running whilst I was in there. When I got back, smoke was bellowing out all over the back of the street, and my exhaust was gone. So did the police have any leads, any suspects? Well, one of our constables is a season to get holder at the local football club, and he mentioned one of the coaching staff had a very, very gruff voice, as if he'd been eating exhausts. In 2008, the police brought Dai Shin and interrogated him for three days. They even got him to do a breath test to see how much lead he had in his body. There wasn't enough evidence to convict. It can only be Dice. I mean, listen to his voice. That's the sound of a man who's eaten a lot of exhausts. He caused me thousands worth of damages to my car. Sean Dice ate my exhaust. The case continues. Read the musings and ramblings on the podcast blog at fromtherookeryend.com. Last year, we had what can only be described, Mike, and I think you'll agree with me, a farce of a competition uh, for between the three of us. Who was going to be the top goal scorer? Jason, without a moment's thinking, shouted the word Danny Graham. Um, he, he undermined the spirit of competition. <laughs> he did. Uh, it's a competition, and, and competitions have winners, and I wanted to win, and I won. A bit hollow victory. Yeah. So I see him again, nowhere near, and you had Will Buckley. Who's since left. Who's since left, there's <laughs> nowhere near. So this year, we're going to flip it around a bit. We're going to see who picks the top goal-scoring defender. And before you shout Martin Taylor, Jason, we put this up on a vote on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash rookeryend. We said, which do you think is going to be the highest? And by with 68% of the vote, Martin Taylor got the highest percentage. So we're going to give that to Facebook. Okay. So the Facebook group of the page can have that. They, they've all got Martin Taylor. Okay. I'm going to have Adrian Mariappa. It's not even a proper... OK. So I've beaten you both to Adrian Mariappa. I'll, 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 let, I'll let Mike go next, because you're holding the mic. You get to get the mic. What sort of and, uh, Mike? affair is this? Um, I'm going to go with... Before you choose, 21% of the vote, second after Martin Taylor, was Lloyd Doyley. Are you going to go with Lloyd? No, I'm not. <laughs> OK. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go a little bit out of uh, left field here. I'm going to go with the Murph. Oh. OK. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that means I've got to pick a fullback, haven't I? You do. Young one. Okay. But they've all scored a goal, at least one I goal. I, I am going to go on a bit of a limb, and he, I don't know how many games he'll start, but I'm going to go with uh, Adam Thompson. OK. Jason, Adam Thompson, I've got Adrian Mariapa, Facebook, I've got Martin Taylor, and Mike has got the new boy, David Murphy. Come on, the Murphy, you can do it. From the rookery end. 
The players are coming out. They are coming out. The pre-season friendlies count in the defender scoring charts. Yeah, they will do. For, in this game, they will. Yeah. So Lloyd Oli is coming out on the pitch now. Uh, we had a chance to meet up with him the other day, Mike, because it's testimonial there. It's a big year to celebrate, Absolutely. Lloyd. He's excited about it. We're definitely really excited about it. It's a really good opportunity for us to, A, sort of celebrate what a great player he is and also look back on some of his uh, achievements and memories as a Watford player. So our chat with Lloyd started in the home dressing room at Vicarage Road. Where do you normally sit? I normally sit right over here. This is my seat. Has it always been your seat? No. When the sub, you're over there. <laughs> <laughs> I've always sat here the last few years. So, okay. uh, Who's next to you? Um, Scott Loach. Got to Lee Hodson. Okay. Adrian Mariapa. Tiny App. And then you stay. And it just goes on. So you actually, you actually go in, in team order? Yeah, back formation order. Yeah, we normally do back four, midfield. And the strikers and subs are there. Just so you know, when the boss is talking to defenders, yeah, he's talking to us, not one, two, three, four. If you know what I mean. Okay. So I'm sensing when you come into into the dressing room, this is very much this is the, the most serious place at the football club in in this room here. Well, yeah, no. Before the game, everyone's got different ways of relaxing. Some people we've got uh, loud music stereo there. Uh-huh. We've got two screens, which you know sometimes if we if there's like a game at 12.30, we, we watched quite a lot of it okay. until uh, until about quarter past one. And then uh, we normally have a meeting about half one. Then it starts getting a bit more serious, but we've still got the music on because you know, everyone's got different ways of relaxing. Mm. Some people like to just listen to their own music with headphones on. How do you do, how do, what do you do? I'm the one that normally brings the CDs in, so okay. uh, <laughs> I listen to the music that's on and I, t- I just try, just, just relax. Normally, Get a little massage, mm. do my normal preparation of just taking my time. He'll be the, I think he'll be the sixth manager to have picked you in your time here at Watford. How, how are they all I'm different? I'm not picked yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, you, 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 played, not you, you played picked the yet. pre-season games, he's picked you for at least oh, that. Okay. Um, you know, in, in that, in how have all those managers been different for you, you know, in terms of... You know, uh, yeah, when I first had my debut under Viali, I was pretty shocked to get in to be honest because uh, we brought you know seven or eight I think about nine players actually mm-hmm. in at a time and uh, you know it was, it was a bit of a you know scary moment because obviously Graham Taylor gave me pro he actually had the faith in me to give me pro then Viardi came in and I was, wasn't too sure but you know with a lot of hard work I played 25 games that year mm. but um yeah, every man is just different, really. Everyone's got different ways of coaching. Sean Dyche and Malky, they're quite similar, to be honest. Who, was, who for you, was the, the, the best manager? Well, um, I think you go off probably success. The most successful time for me as a player was when we got promoted. And uh, so, you know, I would put A.D. Boothroyd, even though maybe his style of football might have not pleased everyone. Mm-hmm. It worked for us at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were a fourth, fourth in the championship that year. So uh, I think I'll probably go with uh, my successful year. Well, should we go out? Yeah. Is there, there's a bell going or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, there, there is a bell. There's a bell in there that's pretty loud. Can and you do an impression of that bell so we can get the video? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So we're leaving the dressing room now. Right, one of yeah. my favourite Watford moments was when you guys were in the, in the tunnel at the Millennium Stadium. And you were giving it some serious hammer. Yeah, well, um, 
you know, that, that, that's what Eddie Buford lo- loved at the time. He loved the intimidation. Yeah. You know, he loved everyone being loud, looking into their faces and trying to scare them. And it before, looked like you did as well. Before <laughs> we actually got out there. And, uh, and I think we did. A lot of times they thought, oh, they're up for it. They look like they're up for it. And I think that happened at the Millennium. I think it sort of happened at Crystal Palace as well. OK, that's interesting. Um, but even though they were a tough, really tough side, mm. really tough side, I think, you know, they felt the hostile environment that we were giving off. But, um, yeah, it, years after, we were still doing it. We used to have Danny Shitu in here, he's a big lad. <laughs> and if he's shouting, you know to move out of the way, or you know to take notice. So, um, you know, we, we did intimidate a lot of teams, That's I good. thought. That's good. Now, we stood in the tunnel under the Welcome to Vicarage Road stadium sign. We can just see the pitch. So the two teams line up here, yeah. ready to go out. That's right. Have you got a particular spot in that line that you that you stand in? Yeah, I in? normally stand about here. I normally stand third or fourth, no, fourth or fifth in the in the line. Okay. And uh, I've always got a bottle of drink in my hand. Yeah. Is I've that a little um, I think it is. I think it is. I'm not that superstitious, but I've always got a bottle of drink in my hand. And as I go out, I throw it onto the pitch. Lift on the out, side actually. of the pitch. Do you, for later on or just to get rid of it? Just to get rid of it and it's just something that I've always done. OK. Is it almost like a little switch? So sort of you carry yeah. it and you throw it and you're like, right, yeah. Yeah. we're ready to go. Yeah. Let's go. But you're not superstitious, no? I'm not, not okay. really. But it, that sounds like I It am. does a bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is one thing that I always do. Stay in the loop and get involved on facebook.com slash rookeryend. Here it is, a collection of historic and intriguing items that define Watford Football Club. Oh, it's Watford in 100 objects! This season on From the Rookery End, we've set ourselves a bit of a challenge. We want to find 100 objects that define Watford Football Club. They could be historic and define some of the biggest moments that we've witnessed on the pitch, or they could be personal objects that define fans' relationship with the club. But there are rules. We can't just have 500 objects that are anything and everywhere. What are the rules, Mike? There are a couple of rules. Oh, crikey. (laughs) Don't talk over a broken PA system is one of the rules. Uh, only a couple. Anything can go on the list. I mean, we mean absolutely anything. If it's connected to Watford, it can go on the list. However, there can only be one type of each object. So you can't have like two bears of football boots. You can't no, have. You can have two sign shirts. Two or... sign shirts. No, you can only have one of each. Yeah. So we don't want any repetition. What, what's that? What game shows that from? No pausing, repetition. Anyway, no repetition. Mallet's mallet. Mallet's mallet. <laughs> you can't. Yeah. Come on. You keep mallet's mallet out of this. <laughs> and the final one is anything can be taken out if a more suitable replacement is suggested. So something could be in there for a little while and pushed out if someone comes up with something that's a bit more exciting or a bit more evocative. Exactly. They're the rules. So we want to hear as many of your suggestions as possible because it's, 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 we want it to be as many Watford fans as possible. The first three objects we're going to put into the list. Now the first one is in recognition for Pierre Issa. 
a South African-born defender who signed for Watford in September 2001. During his time at the club, he played 15 games, scored one goal. Now, call him one of the most significant players we ever had, Jason, could you really? No, no, but there is one memorable moment that, uh, that stands out. It happened on the 26th of September 2001, and it's a moment that will go not down in history for a comical value, but also for the significance of how it affected one of the current squad. So that first game, Lloyd, was it Birmingham? It was. And there's an incident that happened in that game. Do you know what I'm going to talk about? Yeah, Pierre Issar yeah. got injured yeah. in the first 20 minutes, and uh, he got stretched off and he fell off the stretcher. <laughs> Do you remember that? I can remember that, but I was so excited and, you know, I didn't even have no time to actually warm up. I just went straight on. I, I remember it because everybody was talking about it afterwards. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone else playing professional football at the moment who will have started their career because someone was tipped off a stuff. <laughs> no, it wasn't exactly because <laughs> yeah. it was tipped off a So our first object in the Watford's 100 objects is Pierre Issa's stretcher. If you go on the blog, you see quite a funny picture of me and Lloyd holding a stretcher. It was uh, good on him to be part of that. Um, if, you, if you're wondering whatever happened to Eset, well, he part of a company in, in June 2002, and uh, he went on to play in Beirut, Greece, and Crete. Crikey, if you think it's tough getting pulled off, the, tipped off a stretcher at Watford. <laughs> As we said, a big part of it is personal objects. Now, Jason, you're going to put the second object in, and what exactly are you going to put in? I have the uh, second object. I have it here in my hands. It is a knitted Wilf rostrum. <laughs> he was knitted around the time of Wilf's uh, Watford career in the early, early, early 80s early, early by my mother. Something like, it looks a little bit like a voodoo doll, Jason. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never stuck pins in him. He's, he's looking a bit um, worn now. He's, 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 he's 25 his, years old. His face, his face has all but disappeared there, uh, and his skin's faded somewhat. His, his hair is quite he's ginger. ginger. It's, almost, it's almost like he could be Les Taylor, but I don't know. He doesn't look like Les Taylor. He looks more like Will Frustran than Les Taylor to me. So he's always been Will Frustran. Um, so you see, your mum knitted him. Was it a birthday present? Him. I, I don't think it was birthday. Now I think she just one of those mums that likes knitting stuff. Well, uh, we, we, we'll, have, we'll have a picture on the blog from the com, but he was well loved. Did he, get, did, did, oh, he, he game, well did he come to games with you? No, I think this is his first ever game, to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah, I had, to, I had enough trouble carrying the uh, the wooden stool that my dad had made me for the northwest terrace, uh, so I couldn't carry Wilf as well. It would have been too much. Ah, oh, well, it's, it's a it's a beautiful thing, and, and what I like about that, and, what, and we want more sort of homemade objects that you might have made or some are made for you that kind of define your time as a Watford fan. Because we want it to be to add to our 100 objects that define Watford. Now, Mike. Uh, before we move off from Will, because I'm sort of transfixed by him, <laughs> it's almost like you know those sort of creepy horror shows when you see kids' uh, toys coming out from under the bed in the middle of the night. Yeah, it's kind of a little bit like that. You check it out on the blog, you'll see it. But I wonder, Jay, if, if we win today, does that mean Will Frostrum becomes lucky Will Frostrum? He does. Xavier goes in the dustbin. Well, Zag- no, it was Xavier the uh, lucky Christmas uh, Christmas snowman. Uh, can only come out in December. Yeah. Okay. So. Totally it, fair. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, what what object are you going to put in? Well, Wofford's playoff triumph in 2006 took a lot of people by surprise. None least of all, my brother. He was uh, dating a young lady at the time, and halfway through the season, when it looked like, well, he just booked a holiday uh, <laughs> for May. So he thought he'd get a bit of early early sun, top up his tan ahead of the summer. Nice holiday. Yeah, he figured he wasn't going to miss anything. How wrong he was. Ooh. His face grew sort of more ashen as the sort of as the, as the weeks progressed throughout the season. It looked 
more and more like we were, well, one stage we looked like we might get automatic for a little bit, but then we dropped into the playoffs and he knew that if we got to the playoff final, he wasn't going to be there. He was going to be on holiday, downing Uzo while rubbing suntan lotion into <laughs> someone's back. So, he was mortified. He didn't want to miss it. So what he did... He stopped the flight. He said, I don't care who you are, lady. I don't care about you. Let's just go to a for match, yeah? He tried. He failed. So one black eye later, <laughs> he sat at home and printed off a picture of himself in full Watford kit, holding his arms up in sort of um, some sort of mock come on salute type thing. You can get the picture. He then put the, stuck the picture on a bit of cardboard, cut it out... And we actually created three of these and gave them to those of us that were going to the game to take to the game. So he was, so his presence would be felt at the Millennium Stadium that day. So and the object you want to put into the list is? A cardboard cutout of my brother. Andy. And part-time part, uh, pod, podcast contributor, Andy. That is the sort of thing we want. The, the historic, the personal, and the... Insane. Insane, yeah. Uh, there. So send us your objects that you think define what Football Club. Um, you can email us, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Send us the story that kind of goes with them and a picture of the object if you've still got them. Or a picture from when you, you had them. And we're going to put together this really fantastic list over this season. So that email again, podcast at fromtherookerend.com. We can't wait to hear your objects. From the Rookery End. Half time, Watford 1 1 with AFC Wimbledon. You've watched 45 minutes of pre season game, Jason. How are you feeling about the rest of the season? <laughs> that's, a, that's a question. Uh, probably the same as I was before those 45 minutes. Of okay, there you go. <laughs> but we saw, we, we, yeah, we've seen, Mike saw him, you, saw, you went to the Wimbledon game, but we saw our new man up front, Chris Iwalumu. 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 Now, with all these new players we have, we're going to have lots of new songs to make. We've got plenty of songs to fill the rest of the, the podcast the rest of this season. It's fantastic. But when he signed last week, there was a barrage. Mike, in fact, you got lots of people sending them on Twitter, didn't you? A barrage of possible songs for, uh, for, big, for big Chris. Yeah, all tributes to the big man, incorporating his name into the title. Some very, very uh, entertaining and imaginative stuff. Well done. Uh, so we have uh, put a few of those together and uh, we're actually going to bring out a whole CD of them all. And uh, here is the advert for that CD. From the Rookery End presents Songs for Iwalumu, a collection of classic songs lifted to greatness by the addition of Iwalumu references, like the summer classic, The Macarena. Born up in Scotland, started playing for some mirror and some time in Denmark, Germany and Wolverhampton. Now he's a hornet and he's going to score a hatful, Chris Iwalumu. Or 70s disco hit, D-I-S-C-O. Chris Iwalumu. Chris Iwalumu Chris Iwalumu Chris Iwalumu Oh, 80s one-hit wonders, tight fit At the Vic, three-sided Vic Illumu scored tonight Chris Iwalumu Scoring goals for fun And the power ballad Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Chris Iwalumu, Chris Iwalumu. Songs for Imaluu is not available in any shops. I mean, 
Who'd want to buy this shit? From the Rookery presents Songs for Iwaluma. Don't go anywhere and try and buy it. AFC Wimbledon to Watford 1. Um, that's our first pre-season game uh, for, for seeing the, the gang in, in action. Jace, what are you taking from, uh, from 90 minutes of a pre-season game? Anything? It's early doors, isn't it? What, our third game? I think I read it was their fifth, maybe. So without trying to look for excuses, perhaps they are a little bit fitter than we are at the moment. Um, oh, we, we played some nice stuff. We just lacked a bit of oomph up front, I thought. Yeah. The goals we conceded were a bit disappointing. They, they seemed, the second one particularly, looked like the uh, the guy had just come on in the middle and no one seemed to pick him up and he had all the time to lay the ball off to the left for the boy to finish. So that was a bit disappointing. But uh, all in all, the football played was nice. Uh, they've got, got the players got 90 minutes under their belt. Cliché, cliché. Cliché, cliché. Love the cliché. But, but there were certain bits where the younger Watford players certainly seemed to be a bit more in sync than the other people and uh, the Watford players, the, the newer people. Yeah, I think they were. I, I particularly uh, enjoyed Ross Jenkins' performance mm. when he came on. I thought he looked very tidy on the ball, worked hard. Um, yeah, it looked good when he came on. Perhaps he'll get a chance this Big year. year for him this year, I think, isn't it? He's going to have a lot to do so. in the centre mid. He's going to he's going to be playing a lot of games this year, I think. So, uh, I've still got high hopes for Ross Jenkins. I think he gets he's had a bad rap previously, but I think he can. Uh, he's he's strong. He looks strong out there today. I think. And uh, I think he's got a lot to offer. So um, we saw some of the new boys. Ima, Imaluu, Imaluu, unfortunately. Imaluu. 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 Yeah. Uh, he, unfortunately, uh, went off injured very early on. Uh, it didn't mean to get, we got to see a bit more of Gary Massey. Uh, Craig Offside came on near the end. Yeah. Played left back. All right. Left back. Okay. Didn't get to see a great deal. I mean, yeah. he made a good tackle early on, I think, when he came on. Um, but a lot of the place seemed to come down the right rather than the left. So we didn't get true. to see much of him, I think. Uh, yeah, that was Massey's pace, wasn't it, down the I right? I think so, that yeah. Was, uh, um, making meaning the play was uh, stretched down the right hand side. Uh, Murfin, David Murphy didn't see him at all. No, it, it, he did come on um, against Wheelstones, and it's like a reasonable. Sort. I think he's got he's got pedigree, hasn't he? At this sort of level, yeah. we, I think we with that sort of player, we know what we're going to get. It's uh, without wanting to put him down, he's a sort of nuts and bolts, no nonsense defender, and I think hopefully we'll. Uh, We'll see a bit of him, I think. You yeah. saw uh, Yeats on yeah, th- Wheelstone and, and today. I thought he had a better game on Tuesday against Wheelstone, but I would have thought I'd have a better game against Wheelstone than I would <laughs> against a, a newly promoted league outfit. I don't, didn't, didn't perhaps get into the game as much today. He looks like he might have the propensity to drift in and out of games a little bit, and if things aren't going too okay, well for him, yeah. maybe... Uh, but, again, f- f- watching him for two pre-season friendlies, it's uh, too early to judge. But he's, oh, yeah, yeah. he's one that could excite, I think. If you haven't seen him yet, what for fans, he's very tricky. Um, tricky, tricky. Yeah, tricky, he, he doesn't tricky. mind the old sort of step over and a little dink and jink. And mm. So I think he's going to be one that could be quite exciting to watch. And uh, Prince Boabin. Prince Boabin. Boabin. Um, yeah, we, we saw a bit of him today, didn't we? Uh, unfortunately for us, the half or the majority of the time that he played was up the other end to us, so we couldn't see him as well. And let's be honest, it's a bit of a shallow territory here, boys. Um, well, frankly, he, doesn't, he doesn't need to be any good with a name like that. He's already, he's already a legend. So it's, I think quite hard to judge on that first hour or what, whatever it was he got today. He's going to be you know, the, the runner, the, the attacking sort of mid, mid, uh, centre midfielder that would that you know that Eustace has played with quite a lot recently and you think hey maybe again a bit more time that he can certainly give him that sort of the right sort of freedom freedom yeah. freedom within so, boundaries certain glimpses I think we've signed some exciting players some really yes. exciting players um, 
Okay, we we the, the situation we're in, we have to tr we have to buy very slightly untried um, players or players whose careers have gone slightly off track elsewhere. Which I think is probably fair to say in the case of uh, of Yates, he probably hasn't achieved what he would have hoped to elsewhere. But again, you know, he's he's got previous with uh, Irulumu. They they at linked Colchester, up yeah. nicely at Colchester. So I think we've. There's some exciting signings. There's definitely reason to be positive. It's going to be really tough again. Well, I think it's going to be tough first at the beginning of the season. Yes, you can look at the schedule and everything, but as a team, there's been a lot. There's been enough changes where it will take time to settle, and I don't think we can expect all the greatness to come through really quickly. So I'm, ex I'm expecting, as the season goes, not the best, not the same start we had last year. How are you feeling for the season, Jace? Um, I think I feel a bit more optimistic now than I was at. To the start of last season. Last season, I thought it was all going to go horribly wrong. Um, whereas this season, I'd like to think we're sort of maybe mid-table. I'm not over-optimistic, but but mid-table, I think, would, would be good for us. So, Mike, how are you feeling about this season? I'm cautiously optimistic. I think there's a lot of the same um, things that we were worried about last year still stand stand firm. Um, there's a lot of big clubs in this division this year. I mean, I think I'd be lying if I wasn't looking for three weaker teams than us, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think staying in the division has to be our priority. Anyone looking at anything above that, I think, is is probably fooling themselves and is in for in for quite a rude awakening. I think you mentioned about the start of the season. I think it's absolutely vital that we get we do get points on the board early. But not going to be it's not going to be a, a winning streak, though, is it? Well, I hope it will be. I think um, we heard in the Lloyd Doyle interview that um, when we spoke to him that, that Watford play better against bigger sides. Uh, and we're facing a few bigger sides early on in this season. So if we can pick up... So we, he, we need to pick up points. This division, we saw it last year, it's all about momentum. It's all about momentum. And then confidence and belief grows from that. And if we don't get some points on the board early, there's a lot of young heads there. The youngsters are exciting, again, and they've proved that they can do it. I think there's, there's a lot of... They've got big reputations in the, in the reserve and youth teams, people like Massey and, and Murray coming through. But the, I think the lack of experience will tell if we don't get points on the board early and if we get into a bit of a slump, you know, going away to Burnley on Tuesday night and West Ham and places like that. It's hard to pick up points. So, as always, who knows what's going to happen in a season as fans of Watford Football Club. Got something to send the boys? Then email podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. It's Lloyd Dawley's testimonial year. We already talked about it before part one of our interview, Lloyd. Part two coming up now. He's one of those characters in, in, a, in a football club that I think if, we, if he left now, we'd miss him, wouldn't we, Chase? Oh, we certainly would. He's, he's obviously got that cult status now with that one goal, that long race, that long road to, to get his first goal for the club, the fury that surrounded it when he scored it. Uh, and now he does have that sort of cult status at, at Vicarage Road amongst the fans. And we've got a year to celebrate this. But part two of our, our interview, and uh, as we, uh, we join uh, Mike back at Vicarage Road with Lloyd uh, on their way out of the tunnel. So if we turn right out of the tunnel, this is what you'll have done in your first appearance, going yeah. to, to sit on the bench, obviously. We'll go and take a seat there for a minute. I think I was uh, sitting on this side. Oh, yeah, we might as well go and get the exact seat if we can. <laughs> I think I was sitting about here. Okay. Different seats now. But, uh, More comfier these days, are they? Yeah, well, yeah. Not that you know, though. You don't, you don't warm the bench these days, of course, which is good. You've had an amazing career. This is, of course, the start of your testimonial year. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to choose a favourite moment. I think it's probably everyone's favourite moment. It's, you can guess what I'm going to say again. My goal. The goal. <laughs> the solitary goal so far. 
talk us through that. Not just not just the actual goal itself. I know you've been asked this a million times, but how you how the whole the, the whole thing felt to you, what you what it meant to you, and sort of what just your memories of it really. All the boys have always been taking the mick out of me about not scoring, so uh, I always had that, you know. Every day at me, you know, <laughs> and obviously, any time I got anywhere near the halfway line with the ball, mm. the fans used to always say, Shoot, do you, do you hear that? Shoot, <laughs> yeah, I used to hear it, yeah. Okay. I don't hear it anymore, I've scored a goal now, so <laughs> you still do it. Everyone's used to getting closer, yeah. So, I always used to hear that, and obviously, the boys used to take the mick out of me. Mm. But when I actually scored the goal, uh, I made a run into the box, I scored, and I thought. Is it offside? You know, <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't hear any crowd like in a roar until two or three second pause, because I'm not too sure if they realised it was me. Mm, I think I, they might have thought maybe uh, Nathan Ellington scored <laughs> because he was playing that game as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. You can hear it on the commentary. You yeah. hear that sort of. You hear a cheer, then you hear a pause, and you hear a massive cheer yeah. when everyone realised that it's you who scored the goal. Yeah. Running into that box, and it's a diving header. It's a fantastic diving header. Have you ever tried to do a diving header before? Or? Um, well, in training we always do uh, crossing and shooting. Right. But uh, I quite often miss. <laughs> 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 I've scored loads of goals like that in training before. It's not in the game. It was quite a lucky cross by Don Cowie at the time. And I was just in the right place at the right time. Obviously, we was 1-0 down at the time. Yeah. So even though I wanted to really celebrate... We was, it was still 20, 30 minutes into the game mm. and we was only drawing, so uh, I had to still concentrate on the game. So that's, a, that's obviously a highlight and we don't, we don't like to dwell on negatives on the podcast and, uh, and you're, you're a positive guy as well, but is there one game in your 10-year career at Watford that you'd rather, rather forget? Yes, uh, we were in the playoff against Hull City. I think that season we were at one stage 12 points clear, mm-hmm. 9 points clear by Christmas. And to be honest, we were cruising. And after Christmas, we took a foot off the pedal. And then we just ended up in the playoffs. <laughs> and we played Hull City in the semi final. I think the first game was a big disappointment. But in the second game, I, I was sub. And, uh, you know, we, we went down by a couple of goals. And I just felt we gave up, and uh, I just felt I just felt the heart of the team just went, and I thought that that was like one of the worst moments of my career. It, it felt like for watching that was a really hard second half of that season to watch as a supporter yes. because yeah. it just felt it was just gradual sort of as you say the sort of it, yeah. and it couldn't quite work out what was happening. There was that West Brom and game was, here, wasn't there when when we lost quite heavily? Yeah, that's right, and uh, there was like. 11 games we went without winning a game mm. but I think we drew about 10 of them yeah. so uh, I think that kind of like stalled us along on our journey What did you put that down to Lloyd? You say you took the, the foot, your foot off the pedal a bit I'm sure you didn't sort of stop trying as much but do you think as a unit you were you felt more comfortable that you were top of the league and, and the premiership Maybe was so. within touching distance? Maybe so um, I think we probably took a foot off the pedal a little bit thinking back now and uh, you know we, at the time at January we got rid of Marlon King as well mm. he, he wanted to go and obviously he wanted to play in the premiership and uh, I don't think we really replaced his goals or his influence mm. in the team because as a player 
you know, he worked really hard and, you know, obviously scored goals. Yeah. You've been here, as you keep mentioning, you've been here a long time, which is a good thing. We're, we're delighted you've been here for so long. I'm sure I hope you are as well. Has there ever been a time where you've been close to leaving? Has there been other clubs coming in and sniffing around? Well, um, at one stage, uh, QPR came in for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really have any intention of going because at the time they were bottom of the league and we were top of the, of the yeah. league. That's yeah. when we were, you know, going back up trying to yeah. get into the Premiership. And there was a couple of seasons ago when Brendan came in. He came in and said, you know, you're not my type of player. I respect you. You know, I hope you, you know, try and find a club. But um, after six or seven games with him not playing me, he put me in. And uh, I played against Chelsea, even though we lost. I played pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then for the next 15 games after that, I played. Mm. And then he gave me a new contract, which is good on him. Some managers could have been a bit stubborn and think, I'm not playing him, because I told him that he wasn't good enough, basically. But um, he, he played me and proved him wrong. Is that one of the most rewarding things? I think if, uh, listening to you talk there, that sort of almost makes me feel proud. Yeah. You know, on your behalf, that you've sort of proved someone wrong, and then to yeah. come back and—I mean, you haven't—you you can't have missed many games since th- since then, have you? No, no, I haven't. Um, last season I played 47 games, and no, the last season I played 40 game. The season before that, I played 47. So uh, I played most games. I wouldn't miss seven or eight games in the last two years, which is very pleasing. But yeah, you know, you always want to prove people wrong. A very fantastic and honest chat from Lloyd. That was only, we actually only played you about 10 minutes of what was half an hour we had with him. And we're actually going to put the full half an hour as a special podcast the first weekend of the season. So as you go away to Burnley, you should be able to listen to that on the way up. It was a really, really good chat and got some nice insight to life beyond that white line. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting to hear from someone who's been in the club for such a long time, the changes that have taken place, the different managers, and he, I think he was very honest about what, it, what life's like as a player, so listen out for that. Like John says, it'd be the perfect... Uh, you'd probably have to listen to it about seven times back-to-back to, back to get you to, <laughs> all the way to Burnley, but uh, well worth a listen. Also worth checking out the blog. We'll be continuing to post on our website, www.fromtherookeryend.com, throughout the season, so keep your eyes on there. You can also subscribe... Yes. So it's really simple. You stick your email address in a little box on the on the website. And hey, presto, every time you write something new and brilliant, you'll be alerted to it. You just go there, read it, comment, let us know what you feel. And uh, you can also read some of our, our, our other brilliant writing. Uh, this can be the same again as last season. Page 60-something or another in the in the matchday programmes. Uh, some ramblings and musings um, from, from Mike or maybe one of us, who knows, mm-hmm. uh, in the matchday programmes. So pick one of those up. And also this year we're going to have a, a little kind of page in the My Local News magazines. Yep which is my, my Watford News, my Bushy News, my Croxley, my Abbott. Somewhere in there, there on those pages will be another from the Rookery End little column about life as a fan of Watford Football Club. But, of course, you can also keep in touch, Jason, by email. Yep, you can email us at podcast at fromtherookeryend.com, podcast at fromtherookeryend.com, and then there's Twitter as well. Absolutely. You can follow us on Twitter. We have Rookery Mike, we have Rookery John, and, sorry to say, I'm still non-conforming, <laughs> even into the second season, I'm still Jace Bailey. Uh, and also the uh, Facebook group, of course, facebook.com forward slash rookery end. <sighs> Pre-season still underway, plenty of football to go before that, that big season kicks off away at Burnley. Are you optimistic, Mike? As optimistic 
as I get. As you can be, right. Jace, a little bit optimistic than I was this time last season. Okay, well, we're going to win everything. We're going to win everything. Yeah. <laughs>